How far-reaching are the accomplishments of the cross? We'll look at that next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. The ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We welcome you to our program today. We began a message last week called The Accomplishments of the Cross. Today, we want to pick up where we left off as we continue our examination of all that Christ did there on the cross. Is it simple salvation or is there much more that is being accomplished there as he dies for our sins? Well, that's a question we'll dive into here today. Join us for this edition of Truth For Today, our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. John 2.2, he's the propitiation for our sins and that of the world. The love of God was demonstrated, 1 John 4.10, that he gave his son to be the propitiation. What does that mean? God is angry with our sin, and he's angry with sinners, and his wrath is being revealed from heaven. He says in John 3.36, every unsaved man is living beneath the wrath of God. It hasn't settled down on you yet, or you'd be lost but it's hovering over you. Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is being revealed from my anger about sin. I'll tell you an interesting Bible study you may want to try sometime. I grew up with this statement. God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. Anybody hear that? Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound, it's just a, you almost write a, you know, a Hallmark card. Read Psalms 1 through 30. Just 1 through 30. And see how many times he says, I hate a murderer. I hate a blood guilty man. I hate pride. I hate those that lie. He not only says he hates the sin, but he hates those that do it. Well, who do you think you are, God, that you think you can hate somebody? Isn't it wrong to hate? Not if it's me. Well, wait, 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 wait. You said I was one time your enemy. You were? Well, are you angry with me? Not if you've accepted Christ, because Christ has borne the anger of God against your sin and now has been totally satisfied with the payment so that he now can say, I have no anger against you. Matter of fact, I've embraced you as my own. God has been satisfied with the death of his son in your place. This is propitiation. Then, then we go on. And that is the temple. We go to the uh, slave market, and we talk about redemption. Uh, that Jesus Christ came not to serve, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The word ransom is related to several other Greek words. In Greek, the word for redemption. Now, in the Old Testament, we've got redemption, and we've got the beautiful story of it in the book of Ruth that says to redeem someone, you had to be related to them. You had to be kin to them. Two, you had to have the means to buy them back. And three, you had to be willing. And the first kinsman redeemer was not willing to buy uh, Ruth. He wouldn't do it. He was in line. And when he told the elders, I don't want to buy her. I don't want her. Boaz steps up. He said, I'm kin I've got the finance, and I love her. I'm willing to do it. 
the picture of Christ. He became my kinsman in the incarnation. He came with the power to buy, and he said, I'm willing to die. I will lay down my life a ransom. What God says in redemption, I can emancipate you from the slavery of sin by paying a price. It's something if you ever go to Charleston, South Carolina, we visited there. That's where the Civil War started, you know, on the harbor there. And the, the, the slave trade was big in uh, Charleston. And uh, the slaves coming in by way of Africa, Caribbean, the British were bringing them there. And there you saw African people sold, families broken up, dad sent here, mom sent there. Slaves bought that day and perhaps branded that your property, you belong to me. I paid a price to release you from the market, the sale. I bought a human being for 50 bucks. Oh, the atrocity of it. And it's the same picture that God said, I found you in the slavery of sin. I found you a slave to the devil. But my son paid the releasing price to get you out of the dominion of Satan and to bring you into the family of God. The famous, famous, I have a dream speech at Lincoln Memorial. The first five paragraphs are worth the whole speech. When you've got a preacher from the South, from Birmingham, saying... I'm here today. For 150 years ago, this country wrote a check that said I could go free. 150 years ago, they wrote an emancipation proclamation, but we still can't vote in Mississippi. We still can't run for public office without the Klan wanting to kill us. I'm here on the steps, Mr. Lincoln, I want to cast a check that's been 150 years overdue. I want to sign it today and see if a black man can vote in Mississippi. And what Jesus did at the cross, he wrote the check. And when he walked out of the graveyard, he said, you can cast the check. It's good. It will set you free. It will set you free. You'll no longer be a slave of sin and the devil. For I not only write a check at the cross, you can cash it and you receive it by faith. And when your signature goes on it, it's signed by Jesus Christ. And he just wait for your signature. I accept Philip Howard. And he redeems me. You see, redemption is beautiful. Have you ever thought of what, how much money your family would come up with if you were kidnapped? It's a little depressing. You might as well get ready for a long stay, honey. It's why no one stole in my neighborhood in Richmond. There's nothing worth stealing. If they stole everything in the house, you wouldn't have $500 worth of goods. I mean, dynamite boxes and uh, all. I mean, ridiculous. Ridiculous. We left the doors unlocked all the time. Help yourself. Maybe you'll drop some change. You don't want to be a child of poor folks. They can't redeem you. It's only the rich that got to worry about kidnapping. When you're a poor boy on the south side of Richmond, don't help yourself, buddy. Somebody feed me. 
And God said, to make you a child of mine, I've got to pay a release price. For ransom means in the Greek, to release upon receipt of a payment. And so guess what? I could say, well, the old Negro spiritual, the poor king again, thank God Almighty, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free at last. Well, I can say this, ever since 1958, when I signed my part of the check, I said, I'm free, I'm free, thank God Almighty, I'm free. I'm free in Christ. He liberated me. He liberates all that he saves. Our gospel says somebody ransomed someone like you. He bought you. So I don't go around with a strut. I'm my own man. You are nobody's own man. Who do you, what do you mean? You wait till April 15th comes. Tell me you're your own man. You're going to pay this government what they say. Are you your old man? You're going to wind up in jail. I'm in charge. Was in charge of what? You're going to set the new PG&E rates? You're going to get the next man voted in? You ain't in charge of anything, honey. You're not in charge of either breathing. Because Acts 17 said everything that lives, moves, or gets its being, gets it from God. If God just said, cut off air supply, you're gone. Watch out. You might be gone in the service. Don't die on us. He's in charge of everything. We've been redeemed. Any redeemed folks here? I'm redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Just think of the Passover. The blood of a lamb, an innocent lamb, paid for me to get out of Egypt. Doesn't it seem stupid? God said, I'm painting a picture of what I'm going to do at the cross. I'm going to slay another lamb, and it will get you out of sin. The great exodus. Then he goes on to say he's reconciled us. And the word reconciliation comes out of 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. And it's a family term. It's saying that when sin came, uh, we, the family was broken up. Look at this. God makes this couple, gives them a perfect home in Eden, perfect environment. She's beautiful. He's a perfect man, perfect woman, perfect environment. Satan comes in there, lies and deceives. Sin happens. They're kicked out of the garden. Uh, Cain kills his brother. Chaos breaks out in the home, and the whole human history starts going until by the time you get to chapter 6 of Genesis. Chapter 6, God says, it grieves me that I ever made man. I'm grieved with what they've become. My solution is kill them. I'll kill everyone but eight souls, knowing his family. I mean, we're only five chapters into our human history. Five chapters. God, couldn't you do it a little bit easier? I want to kill them. Every thought they have is evil. They think of nothing good. I want to wipe them out. And there's a guy named Noah whose name means favor or grace. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God, ever since Eden, has been trying to get people who became his rebels his wayward creation, trying to get his back together. Nothing quite, uh, I think, is heartbreaking as family discord. Family discord. You, you talk to parents, uh, when's the last time you heard from your daughter? Don't hear from them anymore. What do you mean you don't hear from them? That, well, they left. 
ran off with some boy, maybe drugs, maybe just, oh, oh we're fighting over a $100 debt. I, I think they owe me. They say they don't. And so we just split over it. I'll tell you something closer home that, that, that breaks my heart, and I can't help, can't remedy it. I got this little great-grandson that um, every so many days, he's got to go to the father's place. And then we get him back, and he's over here with his grandmother, and grandpa, and us. He's back and forth, because we've got to share him with everybody, you know, because just because mom and daddy don't like each other anymore, the boy's got to go here, got to go there. And ideally, God said, he ought to have been able to grow up with both of them in the same house. Shouldn't he? Shouldn't he? Divorce is what sin is. It divorces you from God. And you need a mediator to broker a deal where the offended God could want a relationship with you again. Because we're the rebels. We broke the rules. We put our fist in his face. And us, I don't need God. I've learned to live without God. I've been running without God. I just need some, a good party over the weekend. Maybe I can blow my mind and make it another week. No, 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 no. You and I need to come back. But how do you get back to someone you've offended so much? Would he ever want me? God, would you ever want this rebel again? And at the cross, the Lord Jesus became the mediator between God and man. And he says, I can bring the two together again. And they'll be reconciled. And according to Romans, God was in Christ reconciling the world that hated him to himself. I had to go to a, see a movie when I was doing my doctorate. Howie Hendricks assigned it. It was called The Chosen a Jewish film about the liberal Jew versus the Zionist and all that conflict of going back to the land. But I will never forget the last, the last line that was put across the bottom of the screen. The last line went this way. Jewish legend tells of a father and son who were estranged from one another. And the son writes his dad and says, I would love to come home. I would like to see you again before you die. And his father wrote back these words. You come as far as you can, and I'll come the rest of the way. Reminds me of Ted Montoya. Went through one drug rehab program after another, wound up in Washington. Wound up getting with a bunch of radical Pentecostals and got saved in a trailer house up there. He wrote to Ed Montoya, his father. He said, Dad, I'd like to come see you, but I have no money. I'm broke. If I spend all the money I've got, I get a bus ticket that can get me to Medford. Ed said, you get to Medford, and your old daddy will go the rest of the way. And Ed told me he was going to get his boy when we were in that dumpy theater. And he drove up there. He said, son, I would have drove all the way to Canada if I could have got you back. 
Well, I want to tell you how far God was willing to get you. He went as far as an old rugged cross outside of Jerusalem. He's trying to get you back. You are his by creation. He wants you to be his by redemption. He wants you to be in the family, in the embrace. We're reconciled to God through the death of Christ. That's why we need to preach the gospel. Oh, sinner, come home. Come home. Be reconciled to God. Finally, he said in Isaiah, he will justify many. It's the theme of Romans 3, Romans 4, Romans 5. It's the theme of Galatians. It's the theme of Luke 18. Which man went home justified? The self-righteous, public, uh, self-righteous Pharisee or the publican who beat his breast and he said, Oh, be merciful to me, O God. I'm not worthy to look up at you in the temple. And Jesus said, This man went home justified. What is justification? It's a courtroom scene that says this. The only way... You could ever be right in the court of divine justice is through the cross of Christ. For the cross of Christ did two things. It justified God in justifying you. You see, uh, God can't just get you to heaven because he likes you. God has to get you to heaven and not violate his holy character. What, what you going to do about their sin, God? He said, my son will pay a redemption price, will propitiate, and my son will enable me to save the worst of sinners and not violate my character. I will be just in justifying the ungodly. You remember what he said in Romans 4? Abraham, you were not justified because you were righteous. For this is the God who justifies the ungodly. For if he was justified because of good works, he has something to boast about. But he has no boast. He has no boast for his justification is a gift. God wants to declare the hell-deserving sinner in a moment declared right in the court of heaven. Declared that without doing any good works, without having lived out the Christian in a moment. In a moment, the moment faith receives the gift of a crucified Christ, the moment faith receives a risen Christ, God says, I declare you're right in the court of heaven. I'll see you in heaven eventually. For we've been justified by the blood of Christ. He has become my righteousness without me doing anything righteous. I must save the day I believe as 55 years where I've grown in grace, I've grown in holiness, I've grown in saying, but I was justified in 1958 on 15th and cutting. The devil can't undo it. You can't undo it. I cannot. I've been declared right in the, all liabilities against God were removed by my substitute on the cross. He removed them all. Now, I've just told you in five sweeping words, this is our gospel. This is what you want to say after he died, buried, rose again. Okay, what did it secure? What did it accomplish? Did you know I've been redeemed? Did you know I've been reconciled? Did you know the Father's been propitiated? Did you know I've been justified? Did you know that God substituted himself in my place and took my whipping? One of the moving stories in our family 
that my brother Paul had a boy that was always uh, struggling at school, not doing his work. But Marty uh, was a, a big boy, kept growing, and, and got as tall as his dad. And he's going to uh, Panola High, but bringing home bad report cards. And our family comes from a long line of disciplinarian. Somebody's got to pay for these bad grades. He was spanking. But he finally gets, you know, ninth, tenth grade, not sure. Gets to be six feet tall, whatever. It just didn't look real good, you know. And, uh, but Paul would do the spanking and got another report card, another F, whatever. And uh, finally, Paul told the boy, they went in the bedroom, that's where the spankings are administered. And he said to the boys, he takes off his belt, here, son, you take the belt, I'll lay on the bed and punish me with as many stripes as I'd give you. Somebody's got to pay for these grades. Somebody's got to pay for these bad grades. How many, how many hits do you think he put on my brother? The boy stood and wept. The boy never got another F. It broke his heart. I can't whip my own dad. But God whipped Jesus in my place. I was doing all the F report cards. But another has bore my punishment. I'm going to heaven not because I'm a preacher. That might keep you out. I'm not going to heaven because I've lived perfect. You know, sometimes I find when I'm teaching men, I'll use hell and damn sometimes. Because I'm like Howard Hendricks. He said when he was at the seminary, he became the chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys. He said, every once in a while I go visit the locker room to hear some hells and dams to remind myself of where I was before I met Jesus. It was hell and it was damn. And I was getting all of it. But now I'm breathing heavenly sunshine. I'm on my way. I'm forgiven. I'm justified, I'm redeemed, I'm reconciled. Oh, I wish somebody wanted to share it with a poor sinner. Come home. The debt's been paid. God's standing to embrace you. He'll meet you at the cross. He'll meet you at the cross. Why don't you come? What keeps you from believing? Why will you turn away this kind of love? You come as far as you can. Depravity means you could only crawl about five feet. But he emptied a throne, came all the way to a manger, made his way over to Gethsemane. Then he just kept on going to Gabbatha. And from Gabbatha, he went on to Golgotha. And from Golgotha, he went into a borrowed grave from Joseph of Arimathea. And right now he's up there saying, come on, I really paid it. I want you. I want you. I want you. Come. Come. Father, who's here today that's never received this good news, never received Jesus, the one that made all this true, that were justified by faith in his crossword, were reconciled because you made him to be our sin and you made us to be your righteousness. We've been redeemed, Lord. No longer are we slaves of sin or owned by the powers of the air. We're free. We're free. We're free. Thank God Almighty we're free at last. Not just socially, 
but eternally. You've been listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you for joining us. As we conclude our time together, we are mindful of the fact that today's broadcast may have brought about a few questions. Well, there are a couple of ways of addressing those questions. You can get a hold of us, and we'll do our best to answer them. Or, if you wish, order the entire five-CD set, which you can get for $15 or more. For a gift of $15 or more this month, we'll send you the five-CD set called The Passion Collection. For a copy of today's program, just simply ask for it when you get a hold of us. There are a couple of ways you can contact us. The phone number, 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. That's here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. Or simply stop by our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. If you would like to join us for worship, we'd love to have you. Service times here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules are at 9 and 11. And you can find out further information as well as get directions at our website, valleybible.org. Or simply call us, 855 833 That's 855 9864 And then come back and join us next week at this same time as we continue our studies through God's Word. The Passion Series continues next week here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. <music>